Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome back to Geeks, the world's number one entertainment podcast recorded in this room. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me is Alexander Chard. Oh, hi, Al. It's good to be back. <laughs> so we did a podcast <laughs> that we recorded like a month ago, but actually only went up about a week ago. So... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were talking about the video games that had come out and the glut, and I suddenly realized, like, by the time that went up, and I, I, I don't even know why we took that long to put it up. By the time it went up, everything we we're talking about was people would listen to it, and go, "Really, you're that far behind in Jedi and Death <laughs> yeah. Stranding, and like all yep. these games we're playing, like so slow." Uh, but trust me, we're nerds. We were playing and them boy, a lot. Did we give uh, lots of opinions on them too? <laughs> yes, we did. So, yeah, we thought we'd come back and just because you and I hadn't chatted and caught up on some of that stuff and some of the trailers that come out, so we thought we'd just do a podcast on it. So, we're going to talk about a little update for those games and obviously some of the websites have started to put out their game of the year list. So, it's just good to reflect on that a little bit with that. Uh, we can talk about some of the films that we've seen, um, mm -hmm. one in particular that we've overlapped on, some that I just want to note people should probably check out for the end of the year. And then the, uh, the main or at least the other 50% is we're going to be talking about all the trailers that came out because oh boy last week or two been a lot of trailers some big old um, trailers yeah i was excited to talk about them and i think we might even play a little game with that because you and i quite famously aren't a fan of spoilers and trailers mm -hmm. so i feel we should play the game with each trailer of like does it show enough not enough or oh too much <laughs> and and saying that you know how i've been in the past with um any star wars release i've been I, I always try to have a, a certain amount of self-control and not watch them or watch the teasers yep. to a point. I've watched everything for Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> even all the TV spots. <laughs> Fuck. <clears throat> I have my disbelief stuck in my throat. <clears throat> I've oh, killed him. I have <clears throat> killed him. I'm the opposite from you on this one. I saw that first trailer for it and that's it. Mm -hmm. I've seen nothing else. Not a clip, not another trailer. Unfortunately, poster art and other bits and bobs. Yep. Spoil things. Whenever it plays, fucking hell, hang on, I'm dying. <coughs> <coughs> Woo. That is some real disbelief. Whenever I'm in a cinema and the trailer plays, I have to walk outside and hide in the lobby and then come <laughs> back in. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, and uh, yeah, at the end of this podcast, we're going to lay out for people what they're going to be hearing from us over the next few weeks because we've got actually a bunch of content coming over the next few weeks, including our end of year specials that we do. But I just want to. And I don't think you and I have talked about it yet, so I want to like let you know what I'm thinking. And then okay. you can speak for the rest of our group of deciding okay. <laughs> what we're doing, basically. <laughs> All right. So, let's get into those video games and update people so they can be assured we were playing stuff. Although, that said for me, during those first couple of weeks, I played a lot. And I definitely have drifted off in the last few weeks to catch up on the movies. What have you mostly been playing? What have you stopped playing? Like so, all that stuff. since we last spoke, I have stopped playing Fallen Fallen Jedi. Fallen Order? What's it called? God, I can't even remember. I think Fallen Jedi is the perfect, <laughs> the perfect analogy from our perspective. Like Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, I in the last one, I was very frustrated with it. My experience was that it was very glitchy. Very, very glitchy. And I, I believe the uh, words glitchy piece of shit <laughs> yeah. have been uttered from your lips. And so, I kind of found myself in a rush to just get it over with. I just wanted to finish it. I just wanted to finish the story. And like I said, I had a great amount of appreciation for the, the story and the tone of it. 
but very little else. And the more that I've sort of had time away from that game, the more frustrated I get. Yeah, it's just, it's not my personal sort of flavor or what I want from a Star Wars game. And I think I sent this to you in a message where I was like, I th- I kind of, the game reflects the attitude amongst certain Star Wars fans that Star Wars isn't for kids. Like it isn't a kids thing when it kind of is. <laughs> and And I feel that this is trying to move away from that kid sort of child feel and make it more complex you know with its sort of dark souls feel it's its puzzles and all that sort of stuff but for me that doesn't make something more adult in tone it's still i don't know i just feel very frustrated with this game and more people rave about it the more i'm just like fuck you fuck you it's not game of the year I have noticed that has been the determining point for you. Yeah, the more that people were just coming out going, this game's a masterpiece and this game's like, you know, fantastic and game of the year contender or whatever, the more angry <laughs> you've become about the actual game itself. Um, you know, which, even- which I feel the same way about a lot of stuff. That's that's my problem with so many movies. It's like I'll see a movie and go, that was fine, but it had some real problems mm. and a few highlights maybe. But people then love it so much. I'm like, what the fuck this film? Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes me really angry that people could love something that's so clearly not brilliant, you know? Yeah. And, like, but, I, I try and take a step yeah. away and think, okay, if if my experience with the game was, like, if it was less glitchy, would I have enjoyed it more? And I think I think I would still feel the same. I th- You know, there's moments I definitely enjoyed, but it. I think you hit the nail on the head last time where you said that it it certainly draws influences from a few different games and big sort of titles, yet it doesn't necessarily excel at the things that it borrows or goes beyond those ideas and be better and bigger than some of those games. Yeah, and that's how I feel about it. And it just feels, and I think I said this last time, you know, for me, I want a Star Wars game that, that feels more immersive and does feel more open world and explorative whereas this very much feels kind of yeah like a throwback video game of just like these are your levels this is how it's all planned out do you know what i mean it it didn't it doesn't doesn't feel like a step up again we always try to avoid the terminology gamey yeah someone's like oh it's too gamey because it's a derogative term and games do not need to be that thing. But when I think when we're saying gaming, you know, we're obviously saying historically those tropes yeah. that people look into, you know, and from and particularly from a negative perspective. And yeah, it's a very gamey game and I don't want that from my games anymore. Yeah. And I, I get that people do. So again, you know, the same with other things. That be, if people are loving it, great. I hope everybody gets, you know, I hope someone gets a lot out of everything. Well, nearly everything. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I mean, game of the year contender like that I've, does baffle me a little bit. Uh, yeah. I said pretty much everything I need to say about this last last time. Like I, I did play it a little bit more. I did think, okay, I'm going to get through to the end. And I hit one big, big old enemy that's about, I don't know, I feel two thirds of the way through or three quarters of the way through. And I was like, eh, I'm done. Like yeah. I tried it three times. And I was like, I'm not enjoying this at all. I'm just done. Um, I quit. I also quit. A game that I know you're going to have more to say about. I quit Death Stranding since the last uh, podcast. Will I go back? Yes. Oh, I had to think. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I will go back. Will I go back to play it like intensely? Hmm, I really don't know. Like when, because the thing is, like when I think back, when I think of the things that I want to go back to in that game, it's nothing that I've already experienced. 
and yeah. it was it other it wasn't getting increasingly more enjoyable for me it was getting increasingly less enjoyable for me but then i do know and without knowing any of the spoilers about it i do know there are certain things that happen that do shake things up quite a lot and that does intrigue me because hideo does crazy stuff so i would like to experience those things but without the massive amount of hours of slog in between those things and that's the problem that i got to with death stranding and i really did then realize there was yeah there was a uk ign podcast many weeks ago where they talked about it and i don't think i'm I'm not as down on it as they were because they went into the story and stuff which i am quite into the craziness of the story but yeah they really they really came down on the side of look if this game was 14 hours long then they would love it because it's like all of this cool stuff happening in there um, but the 44, 45 hour slog of it was just like drove them insane. And yeah, I just feel the same way. Like the gameplay does, it really, really does not tempt me back at all. So I'll probably, I'll probably end up going back into it, playing a little bit more. And unless something immediately happens that, you know, wins me over, which I really don't think it will, then I'll probably just watch a walkthrough. I'll probably just watch someone playing it online uh, just because I do want to see how that game panned out. I just don't want to have to put the hours in myself, you know. Yeah, since we last played it, I, I've played a f- I played it in sort of one big chunk, and, and then I've the last week or two I've I've put it down again. So I think when we last spoke, I was in the middle of episode three. We were at the same place. Yeah, we we're both basically in exactly the same place last time. Yeah. yeah, and now I am just through the beginning parts of episode seven. I think I think it's episode seven. A couple Again, of, there's 14 episodes, Alex. Yeah, I know. So for me, I mean, I'm still, I'm still really enjoying it. I, I, I'm finding myself not having a massive sort of investment or pull to like, like I, I'm not finding myself in a in a position where I'm like, I can't put this down. I need to keep going. I'm finding as as it progresses, I'm I'm able to like put it down and and really not think about it a great deal. You know, in games that I've really, really loved in the past, there's moments where, yeah, I find it really difficult to put down or that I'll find myself like I'm putting it down on purpose because I kind of want to prolong the experience. Whereas this, I'm just sort of like, I'll come back to it when I come back to it and I have time and, and I'll just play it at a bit of a slower pace now. I mean, I'm still really loving the direction. The gameplay, yes, is starting to not necessarily wear on me a little bit, but just... I think because it, like you were saying, it is those kind of fetch quests. Again, it's not. It doesn't mean there's a huge pull for me to always go back to it because it's like, oh, I know I'm going to wander around and do the same sort of things. In saying that, though, from three to episode seven, where I'm at, there's been some really wonderful, crazy surprises within the story and the gameplay. That yeah, that truly surprised me, and I was like, fucking okay, this is cool. Like if if I'm going to keep slogging away at this even if i'm just going to play it slowly pick it up put it down and and weeks at a time like this i'm i'm looking forward to those constant surprises and it's just you know there's things where it's just like he's like throwing everything at us there's so many things and we've talked about this before and it's like it's one big fucking crazy mess and i i sort of love that so yeah, I think that's how I'm playing it moving forward. And and actually, this week I, I went back to Outer Worlds, and I'm absolutely loving that. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm really really loving going back to Outer Worlds and Death Stranding. Who knows when I'll go back to? So Outer Worlds is what's yeah, that's the game that you're going to most, maybe not every day, but the most at the moment. At the moment, yeah, yeah, and I man, I love that game so much. And I think I said this in the last podcast, you know, Outer Worlds is definitely a game 
where I do get into a run of playing it and I just want to keep playing it for a while. But then I, I also feel very comfortable, you know, dropping it and playing other things and then dropping back into it and picking up where I left off with ease. And that's what I really appreciate that game about that game too, is that mm-hmm. I don't sort of feel lost when I've put it down for a while. I can sort of really just go straight back from where I picked up. And it's awesome. I fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, went, I mean, I went back into it and I will definitely, definitely play it. That for me just feels like, you know, a good Christmas game. Just going to like hold away into cold, do some writing, play some Outer Worlds because it's this comfort and food. Mm-hmm. I got my friend Tom to, uh, he wanted a game to play over Christmas as well. And I said to him, all right, you should try Far Lone Sales because he loves his indie stuff like that. He loves Braid and, you know, Limbo and things. Um, yeah. So like, you got to do Far Lone Sales and you'll do that in one sitting or two settings. And I was like, yeah, do the Outer Worlds. Like that's the one because it's comfort food. You can just pick it up and drop it and then pick it up again. You're not going to be too confused in it. And yeah, he loved Fallout and he played a lot of Skyrim. So I was like, well. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Plus, it's on Game Pass. So, like anyone who's listening to this, if you're on the fence, just fucking queue it up. Even mm-hmm. if you don't down, you know, download it, queue it, put it in your queue, pause it, and then, you know, you got it for the future. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing Shenmue <laughs> because I'm a maniac. Uh, basically <laughs> I was playing it quite a lot and then I did sort of stop and I was I had one of those points you know when you fin when you um playing a game and it's quite late and then it gets to a point where you finish one rotation of whatever gameplay thing you're in and then it moves you on it's like oh now you should do this thing and you're like hmm mm-hmm. maybe I will and for a second I was like I think I'm going to and I thought no I'm going to be sensible I'm going to go to bed and as I turn my PlayStation 4 off this idea crossed my mind of like that might be the last time I've ever, I'll ever play Shenmue 3. <laughs> like, like, I could have just even kept playing tonight. But just putting it down, I'm like, I was aware. Maybe I'll never, ever come back to this game. But I did because I knew we were going to do this podcast. So I was like, okay, it's my duty to play a bit more Shenmue 3. Because <laughs> here's the weird thing with that game. I still haven't got out of that opening, so the opening villages in the sort of mountains. Mm-hmm. I haven't got to the city yet. And I really want to get to the city. But the thing with that game is like... You know, because you get up every day, you have to go to sleep, you wake up, you leave your house, the girl always comes out and like says like bye to you if you don't say goodbye to her. She like, it stops for a cutscene every uh, cut scene every time you leave the house because she needs to say uh, bye, basically. <laughs> and then you walk off into town, you know, I'm trying to then beeline it a little bit. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get too distracted. And I was getting distracted before. But then it was like, okay, I'm going to go and do this mission, find this person, whatever it is I've got to do, find that new part of town. But then you do just get distracted by little things. And it's not like they're the most exciting things, but you just suddenly talk to someone and they say something. Like there is a good complicated amount of like dialogue that's going on. It's just not written very well or spoken very well. And then I'll pass like a little game thing I haven't done before and then I'll try that. And then you go and fight someone and you realize, fuck, I'm not strong enough. And they'll, don't worry, there'll be a key part of the story they'll just mock you for not being strong enough and then you go away and train and then come back and they'll still be there waiting to (laughs) to fight you again in exactly the same place they were in the story. And as soon as you're done, like, you know, you'll do like three bits of training and then you're like, oh shit, yeah, okay, like now I'm ready. I can go and do this mission I woke up to do today. And then night falls and everyone's gone to bed and it's like stuff you can do, but not the mission anymore. And I'm like, ah, fuck, all right, I guess I'll go back to bed. (laughs) Then you go to sleep and then you wake up and you do it again. And then you realize, oh, I don't actually... I can't, I'm, I'm leveled up in Kung Fu, but there's only one type of potion you can drink during a fight that brings, gives you life again. And it's like 250 or something yen or whatever it is. I don't know, whatever the money's they're using in there. 
And I'm like, fuck, I don't have enough money for that. So now I've got to go and like do some jobs to make the money for it. And then you make the money. But then while I'm making the money, I pass something and I spend some of it on like, yeah, on a stupid gacha ball that I want. Because I just really want to get Rio in his little fork truck still. And I just don't have it yet. Uh, and then and then you start thinking, hang on, if I need money, I've got all these things. And I know I can sell them. Because when you do the games, the carnival games, you get tickets. And then I found a person who now you give you tickets to who gives you prizes. And then I looked up online. I was like, well, what's the point of these prizes? Do I Can I even put them in my room? No. So then I found out you can take these prizes, but then you can sell them to make more money. So it's actually a better way to make money. I feel like I'm listening to the. Like, I feel like I'm listening to the ramblings <laughs> of a, a man's descent into madness. <laughs> this is the thing, though. It's like the, the reason I went on that is because I want you to appreciate the system is really good. Like the world has a really good living system, which is what the original Shenmue games had. Yeah, and this is similar to the original ones. It's not like it's evolved that much, but it's just like. It's a good meticulous system of you're always getting sidetracked by stuff, you know, and you're always like everything you're doing has a purpose for a different thing, which is really cool. But then it does mean you can get into a very lackadaisical way to play it right. and not actually progress the story for long periods of time. And then when you beeline it, you will just hit these brick walls of like, oh, no, you need to train more. So then I have to go and like train. But the game just doesn't explain anything. <laughs> so like, so no, I didn't know I could sell those things. I've been walking around for ages seeing herbs on the floor and I vaguely remember someone asking me to pick up herbs at one point and then the herbs glow red like there's like a little red ring around them I can never pick them up I was like I guess I'll unlock an ability to pick herbs at some point in this fucking game um, and then I had to look that up online today and found out no you have to hold L2 to go into first person mode which then allows you to pick up herbs in first person <laughs> otherwise you can't pick them up oh man how the fuck am I meant to know that <laughs> like there's so many weird things in the game that they just don't tell you. Uh, like when you're fighting, when you're sparring, there are these special moves you can assign from scrolls you've bought. And when you're sparring, this little circular amulet comes up and it kind of gets you to do like XX00, like, uh, sorry, circle, circle on the PlayStation pad or whatever. And then it just disappears. And every time it would pop up, I'm like, oh, fuck, am I meant to do it as it's doing it? How am I meant to know, know which ones they're going to do? Because they seem random. Um, and it would fail me every time. I was like, I have no fucking clue what you're asking for me to do. And it was a hard thing to Google. I tried it about four times over a week. And eventually I found someone who didn't have the same problem. I just sort of watched other videos to see, oh, okay, I've understood the logic now of what this is, which right. is you assign your special move. And then it's only going to do your special move in those ones. So you know which ones it's going to do. And you've just got to do it quick enough when it pops up, basically. But if you just hit the shoulder buttons, you'll accidentally unassign that special move and get a different special move. That's why it gets confusing. <laughs> so if you're like mashing stuff, it doesn't work. You have to be very pro. It's a really fucking confusing game. But are you enjoying it saying that? I don't know. I mean, I am in the kind of in the same way I enjoy life, Alex, you know? <laughs> It's like, am I doing anything of worth? Probably not. How many memorable experiences do I have that are really unique and worthwhile? I'm not sure. Every now and then. But there's a certain, you know, there's a certain enjoyment and comfort of going through the motions <laughs> and doing things. <laughs> occasionally playing a weird little car game. Occasionally playing whack-a-mole. Getting gatches. Learning how to squat. <laughs> Strange game. Learning the squatting. I'm pretty good at squatting. I could do that now <laughs> while texting. So I've been doing that quite a lot. <laughs> uh, which I wish I could actually squat while texting. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a weird one. 
It's a weird one. I am enjoying it and I will definitely keep playing it at least to get to the city. I want to get to city, but I, I now at a point, this is a problem because that's what good games do do to you though. You know, when they get in your brain, it's like, I want to, I yeah. want to get like leveled up because mm-hmm. now I know I can get leveled up and now I know I can make money. It's like, I want to go to the city with all the fucking money and yep. all the Kung Fu skills and feel like really like OP when I get there. <sighs> so I don't know, man, what am I doing with my life? I um, mean, I tried playing like in preparation for the release of this I, I having not played one and two I, I downloaded them and played about 10 minutes of the first one and turned it off <laughs> <laughs> I mean I appreciate its significance <laughs> um, but yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't play it did he get did he get his slippers on did he get out the door uh no <laughs> no I can't even uh, yeah, remember if I even got through the opening cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, the opening cutscene's terrible. That's when his dad's in power. I mean, I will say to people, if you're going to try any Shenmue, yeah, skip the first two. <laughs> you don't need to anymore. Play this one. It has The first two did do some things better. And this world, like this bit I'm in right now, it is pretty, it's a mo- lot more expensive than I thought it is. It's got a lot of cool different little areas. I just wish they were all available immediately. And they're not. You start walking up a track and it's like, oh, I don't need to go here yet. And you just turn around again. <laughs> it's no. like, for the love of God, come on. Um, anyway, I can pick herbs. So who's the loser? Good for you. Yeah, Not exactly. Me. Any other video games? I think that's about it. Yeah, not that I've been playing. What did we talk about last time? We talked about Jedi. We talked about Death Stranding. We talked about Outer Worlds. We talked about Shinmue. I think that's about it, wasn't it? I feel like there's one more, but those are the main ones. I'd mentioned like Pokemon and we'd mentioned Farlone sales and a couple of things, but yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on with our lives. Movies, <laughs> movies, movies. Alex. Ooh, hello. Other than, because we're going to talk about Marriage Story for a little bit, but other than that, yep. is there anything else that you've watched recently that you do want to mention quickly? Movies? No. I haven't watched any new movies yet. Been still watching The Mandalorian. Just watched episode five last week. Which was a nice return to four, ah, uh, four, re- return to form after four, episode four, which was probably the weakest one so far. And I finally started watching The Watchmen on HBO. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really loved the first episode. Yeah. I've only watched the first episode, um, but I loved yeah, it. Yeah. Same. It was awesome. I keep hearing people. I've, I've just heard yeah. some people today actually saying like it might be, it's one of their favorite shows in many, many years. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I guess we should talk about Mandalorian a little bit because that closed out our episode last time and it was very mm-hmm. out of date by the time the podcast went up. Yeah, because we hadn't even watched episode four yet, I don't think. No, we were on one at two by that point. That's all we'd done. So, my basic, because I'm keeping like a sort of score in it. Number one, absolutely loved it. Thought it was fantastic. Number two, absolutely loved it. Thought it was fantastic. It was a little less like now it's crazy to me that when we did that podcast last time, I was like, number two is not quite as good for me because, yeah, those two just seem in the same place you know number three i really loved it other than the last sort of act i wasn't a big fan of the action in the last act i thought it was a little bit silly and then i really didn't enjoy the the mandalorian the mandalorian (laughs) fight really didn't enjoy it Um, oh actually hang on we should say uh, we won't do any spoilers because a lot of people may not have quite caught up and uk listeners won't have seen any of these yeah but no i didn't like that was a very silly bit at the end of episode three that bothered me but I could live with it. It was just like, okay, we're going yep. a bit more childish. Episode four dropped a bit off a cliff for me in terms of this is more like just 
sci-fi TV that's decent. It's still fine. Don't get me wrong. It was definitely going more episodic, which wasn't where I wanted it to go, but I could live with that. But the problem was, was like, yeah, I was missing the drive for the main character, but then it was also the worst directed by far. Like, it was very lazy directed. Found out afterwards. I'm watching all of these without seeing who the directors are until the episode finishes, so I don't get affected. Because Bryce Dallas Howard directed that one. And yeah, I'm sorry, but I did not like how she directed it. It was just really, really dull. And then the characters in there as well. It felt yeah. like a Xena warrior like TV episode, basically. <laughs> it did a little bit, yeah. yeah. I, I fell I asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I remember texting you and I was like, can you believe this? <laughs> and then you're like, you were replying a few times and you went, well, I fell asleep. <laughs> I'll catch up tomorrow. <laughs> and then episode five was definitely a step up you had the same director from the first episode back it's nowhere near as good as the first episode but it was a decent one definitely still episodic lots mm. of fan service which i know rubbed some people the wrong way but i i had fun with it while going what's happening here because i and then i rewatched it with tom who was like whoa where is this show going now yeah and i was like yeah i agree but also i had fun with it yeah i i really enjoyed episode five I thought the fan service was just the the right amount of fan service. You know, there were things I think I think as I was watching it because you had watched it before me, I had sent you a list of like, oh, they're on this planet. Are we going to see this? Is this, this? Is this? And fortunately, we didn't see any of those things. <laughs> but what we did see, I, I really loved. And but yeah, I am getting that sense now of like, okay, well, where are we going with this? Does he does he have a plan? You know what's we're, we're, what, we're over halfway you know, and, and, through. It's yeah. kind of crazy, and I and I think I think I sent this to you in a text was that in the first two episodes, you know, his sort of internal thinking and his background was teased out a little bit. You know, a few flashbacks, a few kind of comments, um, and I really liked that. Whereas I feel since that point, we haven't really dived any deep into to who he is or. or where he's come from or what, where he's going. Well, um, we did get much, the armor scene, but that's about it, really. But yeah. Was that in episode uh, three, the armor scene? That was in episode two, was it? The armor scene. No, that was episode three. Oh, yeah, three. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, maybe three onwards, I'm thinking. But like it starts yeah. to kind of shift away from from some of that, which I was liking. Which I was also like in some of these episodes, I'm just like, oh, how can you not make – I mean, because they're making a Halo TV show right now. It's like, this is surely it. It's you just take this template, you replace mm. baby not Yoda with Cortana and he yeah. never takes his helmet off and off you go. Like, this, is, this is how you do it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm still really enjoying it. It just has become a little bit less on target, pun intended, with what <laughs> I was hoping for. And just and just a little bit like those first two episodes managed to tread that line between okay, this is for kids, but also there's a little grit there. And I do feel it's losing yeah. that grit a little bit. Yeah. I, I felt that in the last episode where I was like tonally you could easily push this into the yeah, that grittier, more adult way. But yeah, I think they're definitely starting to go the other way now. But I'm I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine with it. And and I can I'll- like because that one was yeah, was directed by Dave Filoni. Don't yeah, and it yeah. and it felt very Clone Warsy, just the kind of yeah. rhythm uh, and the way that that the structure of that no, episode. I really did. It, uh, the one thing that does disappoint me now—that's actually what Tom said as soon as the episode finishes. He turned to me because yeah, like we said last last episode on our last podcast, 
I'm editing all of these into a movie that we're then going to watch as a movie, you, me, and Christina, and cover it on our Star Wars uh, retrospective podcast that we do. And the first two or three episodes, or first three episodes, it's like that's totally possible to do. The last two episodes, it's like this is not going to now work. Like this is not going to feel yeah. like a movie when you watch this now. Yeah. We're still going to do it, I think, but I just uh, don't know how that's going to feel. Yeah, okay. So uh, just some quick nods to a few films from me. I went to see Honey Boy in cinemas Ooh, a couple of days list. ago yeah with the, with the director was there and she seemed very lovely she seemed to be very intelligent in how she was approaching stuff um it's a very lovely film it's very good it's very well acted the little kid in it is fantastic the trailer made me think it was going to be more surreal than it is the trailer is basically just from the first five minutes of the film it's definitely not surreal it's definitely just a straight drama and i did like it a lot a lot i don't have a lot bad to say about it but i don't think i'll remember it in a year's time the thing it really did for me and the people I went to see it with was made us just all more interested in Shia LaBeouf, really, because this is a verbatim, you know, this is his life. This is his childhood, yeah. and it's definitely interesting. And it makes you understand him did a lot they, more. Because did they, did the director talk about the story of why and how he wrote it? Yes. Yeah. Which about, I don't want to say because yeah, it's actually, in it's, in, it's in the film. Okay, cool. You get you get that kind of in the film. So I do think you get a lot more out of this film if you know this is about Shia LaBeouf and Shia LaBeouf is playing his father in the film and it, the mm-hmm. weird sort of dichotomy of how they had to shoot this movie, which is very meta or meta kind of thing almost. But other than that, it is just, yeah, a very good drama, which is, yeah, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I didn't love it. I watched The Report, which I really, really like a lot. And I think everyone should go and see that. It's on Amazon Prime. Do check it out. Adam Driver being phenomenal as he always is. He is on a fucking roll. Yeah, I was Fuck just I, I was I was just watching Dead Don't Die, obviously Marriage Story, The Report, Star Wars. I mean, three of those are within one month. <laughs> mm. Which is crazy. The report, okay, here's the thing with the report. The director, I've forgotten who it is who it is now. Not the most amazing director. This film deserves an Oliver Stone or a David Fincher. If this film had been written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by David Fincher, like it would be so freaking good. <laughs> like just sensational right. masterpiece. Instead, I think it's an incredibly important like film that you have to see, but you have to see it because of two factors. Adam Driver's performance and then just the story. The story is so important and it's so riveting. And even if you know a lot of the things that happened... You probably don't know all these details to do with the torture report and it's it's every american for sure should should watch it because it it's not just damning like it's one of those things where you think oh okay great now i get to watch this and feel angry about my country you do but you should also feel proud there's some very proud moments that came out of it that i didn't know about and some of the politician politicians who stood behind it um trying to get into the limelight but no it's a really really great movie and people just check it out a movie I'll touch on very briefly, but we're going to talk about it in our end of year for sure, is a film called I Lost My Body, which is up on Netflix. This is an animated movie from France. If you watch it, and you should, then as soon as you start watching it, please go into audio settings on Netflix and change them to original French. Please, please, please. It has some decent people doing the American dub. It nowhere near as good. And Netflix just automatically plays the English language version of this film. So please watch the French version. Even if you're one of those people who's like, oh yeah, but animation doesn't matter. I agree with you. It doesn't always matter with animation, but this film is very French and it definitely benefits from the original voice actors. It's a just phenomenal movie. It's incredibly beautiful, incredibly moving. It's the most tense that I've been all year in anything. 
It's got a really great soundtrack. And it, at the moment, I don't want to spoil our list when we get to it, you know, in a, in a few weeks and stuff. But at the moment, it's right there vying for my number one spot of the year. I've still got a few more films to watch, though. So something else could knock it off. But but yeah, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Another film that I can't recommend enough, but I think we're going to have a good old debate about it now, is Marriage Story, Adam Driver again. I talked about it briefly on our podcast when you, you and me, Alex, and uh, Mary yep. Beth were talking about TIFF films. Mm-hmm. But you hadn't seen it at that point. I've uh, not watched it again, to be clear. I do need to go back and watch it again. Um, I have still haven't seen it again since TIFF, so it's been a little while for me. But you watched it, and I, I know you had some ups and downs with it. So take, take me, without spoilers, obviously, take me for your ride. So the first thing that struck me that was really positive about the film was seeing that it had been shot on film it had right because <laughs> it was like <laughs> wait it was on film right <laughs> i mean it is hard to tell sometimes because we, we put fake grain all over it. i know um i'll double check that for you because you i was continue. like i had moments where i was like this is either just yeah got really good fake grain or it's on film and that was such a nice wonderful change from everything that's so shiny and digital these days so I really appreciated that. My overall feelings on the film, I thought it was a, a really, really great film. I think the performances from the two leads, particularly Adam Driver, is just just phenomenal. I think he is just really in his prime right now. And yeah, it's just I failed to find any sort of faults in his performances recently. It's just it's incredibly captivating my issues with this film however though were that tonally it kind of jumped around for me there were moments when it didn't feel tonally consistent and i don't know if this was just a personal preference thing so so what i mean is is that sometimes when it felt very grounded and we were really kind of diving into these characters there were moments when bits of humor and goofiness from other sort of supporting characters felt very distracting to me. And there were moments when I was like, okay, let me take a step back from that. And, you know, being a a child of divorce and seeing something like that happen is that I was like, okay, I can understand in in these moments of like high stress and, and emotion, sometimes humor and awkwardness can come out as a as an impulsive reaction to certain situations. And I was like, so I understand that. But then there were other moments when I was like, things just felt a little too goofy. And I was like, is it meant to be goofy and funny like that? So the particular characters was his mother-in-law and then Laura Dern's character, who I enjoyed more as it went on, but initially seemed, Laura Dern's character seemed a little over the top and a little hammy in, in the performance, the kind of, fractured the tone for me like it did did, made it feel less grounded for parts and then the mother is the mother-in-law as well because i love the idea of of him having such a strong relationship with them the the mother-in-law and the the reality of that having to fracture or not fracture like that that concept having lived through something like that is also you know something i could relate to that was real but her character was just so just so goofy and kooky like over the top in an over the top way that that i found it distracting at points 
And then there were other moments aside from those kind of performance notes where sometimes the score felt like a score from a 90s film. It felt like I was watching Parenthood at points with like Randy Newman's kind of little very hopeful, positive piano bits where I was like, it, I get like, so I think for me, there were moments that I just wanted it to just be peeled back or like played down and just to kind of, and that was my kind of issue. And then there's like a bit at the end with Adam Driver at the, at the bar, which surprised me and went for a really long time. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm trying not to spoil it. Like when he's back in New York. I don't. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With his theatre buddies and he gets up on stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember, I remember. Which was just like, I- I love that moment. <laughs> I I appreciated where it landed at the end, but I just felt it went for way too long. But those are my kind of issues with it, is that it just- And, and I'm not- and Like that it felt a little tonally inconsistent, but, but that's not saying that I wanted it just to be like all misery and hell the whole way through. It's just that some of the humor I, I didn't- and and some of the performances, I I feel kind of just pulled it away a little bit from the reality that I was really enjoying, because overall, like the most, some of those moments were just, yeah, just really incredible. But and I don't know if it was my expectations as well, but it, it didn't impact me as much as it as I as, it, as much as I had expected it would. But yeah. So- well, I think it's interesting is is that so yeah. Just to be clear, we haven't talked about this yet, which is why I'm sitting quietly because I want to like hear all all those thoughts. But this started because yeah, you you and our friend Craig because he had put out a post about he wasn't damning marriage story, but he was just saying a much better version of this was Blue Valentine from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, that was a while ago now, wasn't it? It was probably five years ago. No, I think it's uh, even longer. I think it's probably uh, maybe ten. Is it really? Yeah. <clears throat> really? Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Right. look that up quickly because I was definitely still living in London yeah. when that came out. Yeah. Well, okay. Almost 10 years ago. Yeah, it came out in 2010. Almost 10 years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Which to be clear, okay, so, and this is what I think is interesting because everything you just said, I don't necessarily disagree with. Like my problems with Marriage Story, and I do have some problems with it, are some of the goofy moments, but I don't mind. Okay, well, actually, I'll say why it doesn't bother me as much afterwards. But yeah, some of the goofy moments... And definitely Randy fucking Newman. And and I did like I dipped back into it last night just to refresh my brain. I haven't rewatched it, but I dipped back into a couple of key scenes, you yeah. know, just to like and when you dip back into it, it's like, oh, there's old Randy. Yeah. <laughs> just all yeah. over it. Yeah. And I do remember that from my first scene, they were my two like problems with it. The reason why that the goofy moments didn't bother me as much, and normally they would, because I'm really not into goofy comedy at all. But they didn't bother me as much, partly I think just because Again, this is a film. It shouldn't be called Marriage Story. It should be Divorce Story because it's just about them going through a divorce. Uh, yeah, I'm a child of a divorce and I've been through a divorce. And obviously, everyone's journey is different, but there are things that I could 100% identify. And I, yeah, I've spent most of my time in LA. And a lot of the goofiness came from characters. I've met people like lawyers and other people like that in LA, mm. and they're definitely no more cartoonish than how they were portrayed in this film. Like they're like, I think that's the problem. Is like after spending the time, which is why I was interested with that coming from you, because because for me, I've met people where that is not an exaggeration at all. Yeah, with how they are in LA, like that's just how they are. So I think I didn't really have necessarily a problem with that stuff because the leads, because Scarlett. 
and Adam are so like they're the grounding to this and yeah. they're always the grounding to it you know they never slip into the goofiness mm-hmm. um, it's just the whole world around them is kind of crazy and in a weird way that makes the focus for them and I don't know if that's on purpose or not it makes me care more about them because it's like well obviously they should be together because everything around them is insane yeah <laughs> you know they're the only two people who really understand each other in the same world and I kind of like that because I think that's how you feel in many relationships is that the rest of the world is just tuned out of your relationship a little bit but the music does still bother me particularly in the happy moments happy randy newman drives me crazy yeah and it's very toy story like just very yep. toy story and it's and yes i do wish i would love to see this film with a different composer i don't hate everything he does here the stuff here i do like but yeah the happy stuff does frustrate me the blue valentine thing though this is the thing. Blue Valentine, when it came out, was in my top films of that year, like right near the top. Um, and I really loved it. And I do still love it. I've been back to it a few times. It's been a couple of years, but I do still really love that movie. The thing is, I think they're tackling very different things. Like, I think it's kind of unfair <laughs> to draw a comparison. Sorry, just to interrupt you. Because, I said, I s- yeah. without knowing this prior, I was like, oh, the score Randy Newman felt 90s reminded me of Parenthood. I just looked up Parenthood. Music by Randy Newman. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay, sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, no. I was just, I was just gonna say, I, f- I feel like it's almost unfair. Sure, they're both about couples that have a relationship that goes through bad times. Many films are, but I get they're both very focused on that. But they're very different films in that Blue Valentine, and one of the reasons why I think, and again, Blue Valentine really resonated with me at the time. But I think now, and it makes sense if it's ten or eleven years ago. This resonates with me more now because marriage story for me is just this is more what at least my life and everyone's life is different. This is more more what my life would like to be like. This for me is like I want to see characters who are respecting each other and trying to handle these situations in a mature way that we have to. And unfortunately, most of the time we don't in real life. But I want to see them trying to treat their kids decently. I want to see them try and treat each other decently. And then that keeps cracking because they clearly still love each other, but they just aren't able to continue this journey with each other anymore. You know, it's like a maturity of how a relationship is that I think is much more accurate to a message that we need to kind of tell people of like no it is possible to Mm. still treat people decently even when you can't be together anymore you don't have to hurt each other and like the ending of marriage story which we won't give away but for me it's so understated but it's everything it's like yes this is like such a beautiful mature thing to like give and it's the reason why i left and i again seeing it in the cinema was a weird way to see it but seeing it in cinema on my own and then i went to the toilet afterwards because i was like fucking choked up like it really hit me in the chest and made me reconsider a lot of things in my life. But it's like, this is where I want people to get. Blue Valentine, it's easier, I think, to like. And it's definitely easier to think it's cool. Because it's n- it's not doing any of that. Blue Valentine is reveling in the misery of it all. Like, Blue Valentine is all about mm-hmm. his a pretty much self-destructive couple. That you can argue maybe they shouldn't be together. They were just very romantic at the beginning, like a lot of couples are. But their relationship is destructive for a long, long, long time. And it revels in that misery of many moments throughout their life and does great things with it, but in a very, very massive, dramatic way. You know, there's like so many fucking shouting things and arguments and so many like miserable things where you, you think they might just kill each other or kill themselves. Like it's and some people's lives are like that. And I think when I watched that 10 or 11 years ago, that's more where my head was at, where everything's very dramatic you know, and everything's very wrought like that. Now I'm very much in a place where it's like, no, I'm quite tired 
and I don't have kids, but you have responsibilities and you just want to treat each other as decently as you can. And it still hurts like hell, but you have to find a way through that. And that's, I think, why I loved Marriage Story, because it wasn't glamorizing, as it were, any of these big dramatic moments that we enjoy seeing in movies between couples. You know, we want to see like the the passionate, crazy sex like they have in Blue Valentine that then turns into them sort of like shouting at each other. We want to see the like the hint at sort of domestic abuse and, you know, like all this sort of dramatic stuff that I still really enjoy in a movie, but I don't think it's necessarily as interesting a message as the quieter, more subdued things that Marriage Story managed to tackle. So that's mm. my argument for why I think they're both very valid parts of the conversation, but Marriage Story is definitely more uh, where I am at right now and what I feel is a more responsible message to have about relationships now, even if it's not as enjoyable a film necessarily. Or, you know, not enjoyable, that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like affecting because it's not kind of shouting at you as much. And I mean, that's it. It's like, you, you know, both both stories are... Are very very different, I guess, and it's kind of, and have very different perspectives. I mean, Blue Valentine is looking at two more working class people who, when they met, are kind of like figuring themselves out, let alone what their relationship is, and and seeing the kind of fragmentation of that as they struggle through life, is is yeah, is one perspective, I guess. Whereas here, you have people who. A little more settled, or you could say that Scarlett Johansson's character maybe less so, but a, a little more settled in who they are when they meet and what the direction they're going in, and, and yeah, it's it's two very different perspectives. They're a lot. They're a lot more considered and dis and decent. That's the thing. Like Blue Valentine are two people who meet when they're young and they're crazy in love, and it looks, to be honest, like it looks like maybe a bad idea when they first mm-hmm. meet, but they're just head over heels in love. And we can all identify with that. When it might not be the best relationship, but before you know that, you're too deep in it because you're For just sure. wrapped up in all the crazy love. Marriage Story doesn't care about that. Marriage Story is just two people who are very considered, intelligent, and decent. And yeah, they reach impasses in their life, essentially. And then they have to deal with that. And that's just more interesting to me now, I think. it's Yeah, and I, I guess like the interesting thing with Marriage Story is how long they both try and keep that decency between them and i like that when you yeah. as we progress through this story you see like who's going to break first who's going to throw that decency out the window who's going to make the first move that's going to be filled with more bitterness or contempt for the other person and is the other person going to react and are they going to top it and i feel like you've got this kind of tug of war of that with with decency right in the middle of that and them kind of both pulling from each side that's where that tension comes from like for me like the tension is so good is that thing of like like because it definitely starts equal i would say it's more adam driver's story than hers it's slightly leans to him because she's the first one to arm up with a lawyer and stuff like this so you're getting like this information going to him as it's happening and just that fucking like the tension of like him going back and like how what just Oh, that just happened? Okay. All right. We're going to deal with the kid right now. But you can just see these little looks where, you know, like under the surface, you're like, just do something, man. I just want you to like, yeah. you want him to go crazy and then you want her to go crazy for these different things that they're finding out about each other. And in Blue Valentine, they would be at the other person's door, literally kicking it down, screaming. <laughs> like, that's the difference. Like, they would go crazy. And, uh, and yeah, that's and it's obviously like more moments, satisfying. And there's moments in Marriage Story where 
when it does start to get really messy <laughs> for me it was just like that thing of like just go back to what you were doing at the start like you both can figure it out um and that obviously comes to a head one thing i really loved about marriage story and again trying not to spoil anything is um the narrative device that they opened the film with and how that yeah how that's earned and and how it's paid off at the end like just in a perfectly yeah. cyclical way I f- f- even even despite uh, randy newman's score behind that scene it's such a good moment yeah, yeah it's just so oh, what a payoff what a fucking payoff to have it yeah. that way and to have him with the child like with his son as it's happening yeah. and then oh, it's just yeah so like like you know i feel that we're probably on like you said, disagreements aren't that far apart. You know, it is a wonderful film. I think it really comes down to the performances in this. Adam Driver is something else. Oh, my God. You really, you've seen Patterson, right? Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Watch Patterson. Because like, yeah, I keep Jumbo saying to people right? like that's, yeah, yeah. I fucking love that movie. And it's a real, an, uh, you know, an understated film for sure. Like it's one that mm-hmm. you keep thinking about. And it's only, it's, it takes me years to kind of keep realizing how much I love that movie. Um, but it's really, really cool. Okay, movies. Randy fucking it. Newman. I can't believe that he did <gasps> Parenthood as well. That's why it all clicks. It's just those fucking... How old is he? He's got to be retiring be soon, you'd think. <laughs> He's just going to keep going. Uh, he is 76, so still probably 76. got a few years left. Yeah, of what? Toy Story 5 in him. Yeah trailers came out alex let's get some energy going for these guys because oh boy so many Ooh. trailers everybody's so excited and also everybody's so angry you're you know <laughs> oh, yeah just the normal internet fucking reaction to all of this stuff i hate um, it we've got wonder woman 84 ghostbusters afterlife free guy black widow no time to die the new bond uh the grudge and we're going to throw in a video game one half life alex my god that's my new game uh, let's save that for last <laughs> <laughs> yeah um what should we start with let's I, d- I don't remember the order these came out in actually i kind of do all right let's start in sort of the order then black widow came out first i think however people say all kinds of things about this uh for me it was very much what this trailer did for me was three things number one was just look like okay it's just marvel making a movie and they know how to make movies but there's nothing that, about this that looks interesting it's just a movie mm. number two was make me make the note of oh really more fat shaming because <laughs> there's that guy who like puts on the suit and they're like you put on weight and then he's out there like fat thor yeah like, this is weird and three it just made me consider the future of marvel because i know because i and i turned to tom and i said we're getting into a weird period now because i know there are people who argue you know for dc and i think people have always misinterpreted me when i'm talking about this stuff Uh, look because i think there are just some objective facts objective fact number one alex mcu (laughs) marvel are incredible they have been incredibly well organized planned at executing a 10-year plan yeah they've you know they knew what they were doing they laid the groundwork and almost all of their films, other than occasional moments like Ragnarok definitely sticks out and Guardians did a little bit at the time before we realized, oh, that's an adjustment of tone the whole series is taking. But they basically all feel very much like, yeah, you're watching a TV show, but at the cinema. 
this is all feeling very ubiquitous, all of the same universe, and that's exactly what they wanted to do, and they had a meticulous plan with that, and they've been expert at pulling that off. Even if I hated all of the Marvel films, and when I've mm. ranked them all recently, there's quite a few which are at 4 out of 10 or 5 out of 10 for me. I have to accolade them for that. They can pull off that, like that's an incredibly difficult thing to do, and they did it incredibly well. DC, on the other hand, an objective fact... <laughs> is very publicly have been all over the place with their plan. They change plans constantly. They try different things. Leak things show that they're just like making it up pretty much as they go along. Again, I'm not saying that necessarily is a bad thing for the films at all, but I'm saying in terms of building the universe between the two. That's kind of the big difference. What yeah. I love about DC is that, yes, they do change their mind. They, are, they do seem to make up as they go along. They make crazy decisions. And for me, unfortunately... Eight times out of ten, those crazy decisions don't work out and I don't like the movies. <laughs> but when they do work out, they're either incredibly good or they're very, very interesting at least. Like Joker's a very, very interesting movie that we'd never have got from Marvel. And I love interesting things. So I'd rather see a bunch of failures and then those, you know. But for my comfort food, yes, MCU's an easier place because I know what I'm going to get. And that's how Black Widow feels right now. It's like, I know exactly what I'm going to get. I've seen this before. Here we go again. What's shocking to me is like we're moving now into this new phase where they have to set up all this stuff to do with the rings. They've apparently embedded them already in previous films, so they've already been laying the groundwork because, again, they're very well organized. And they have promised things are going to go crazy, like a little bit weird with the multiverse and stuff. And I think maybe with Doctor right. Strange's film, that's where we're going to get that. And with the Disney Plus shows, I think they're going to show some of that, maybe. I really hope. But I don't know. And I'm a little bit concerned. Because it could get to the point where it's like, okay, how long can Marvel just keep doing the same thing? Like, they really do need to shake it up. And I think this is the wrong trailer to have after Endgame. This is just like the most middle-of-the-road looking Marvel film that I've seen a trailer yeah. for in a long time. Yeah. I mean, you? when I watched it, the first couple of minutes, or the first couple of not a couple of minutes, the first sort of opening shots, I was like, oh, it kind of feels like they're going a bit more sort of Mission impossible born film sort of style but with with black widow but it also felt kind of just meh and slightly uninteresting to me and then by the second half of that trailer yeah where you get it goes into full marvel mode and i'm like okay yeah this feels like another marvel movie but even looking back at it like even thinking back at it now this is nothing kind of that stands out or feels memorable to me other than, yeah, David Harbour squeezing into that suit and going, I can still fit or whatever he says. <laughs> but it does definitely feel like a stopgap kind of a film leading into this next phase. So I hope it works for them. But I don't know. <laughs> Which, to be clear, I, I appreciate Spidey Far From Home came out after Endgame, but the trailers for that, out, that were out before Endgame. So these are the first trailers mm -hmm. for a new Marvel film, you know, since, yeah. since Endgame. Yeah, again, the only reason I'm going to, the only reason I'm, and I'm not excited about this film, but the only reason I'm even like, you know, interested in this film is I know what I'm getting, at least for Marvel, is a level, you know, there's a standard of entertainment that will come from it. Yeah, that's not that interesting, but fine. Um, but yeah, it yeah. doesn't look like a great film to me. So then let's flip from that, shall we? This isn't quite the order, I don't think, but let's flip from that to the DC side of things because we've got Wonder Woman 84. Oh, actually, how? Sorry, very quickly. Did Black Widow show enough, too much, or or not enough at all? I think enough. Yeah. I feel it was just enough, to be honest. I mean, I, I think if there was more or there's less, like, it, I, I feel 
yeah. very sort of I don't think I'm going to care more or less, like, no matter what the show. They could, if, look, if there's something yeah. really cool that happens in that film, then they could have showed more, maybe. This is a rare occasion where maybe show me the spoiler to make me interested in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman 84. Now, people might remember from a few years ago, the legendary Weird Geeks fallout that resulted in R.I.P. Nate Hurts. Which was myself <laughs> and him <laughs> discussing Wonder Woman uh, at the end of year. What was that? 2016 was that? It's 2017? 16 or 17. Was. I think it was 2017. Uh, there was a lot of arguing. If you want to hear it, go back to a four-hour opus, whatever that, that year, and, and hear people gradually walk out of the room. Yeah, 2017. Just like going at each other. Because I was not, I mean. I was stoking that fire. You were fucking stoking that fire. <laughs> Yeah, and I was not a big fan of Wonder Woman. Like, there were things I thought were totally totally fine about it. Totally fine. I think it's actually a totally decent movie. I just couldn't believe people were as excited about it as they were. But I, I do think the ending is atrocious and the messaging is actually really bad. But you can go back to the episode to hear my thoughts on that one. And then Nate fucking texted me two weeks later to say, oh, I just rewatched it and you're right. Uh, it's like, God damn it. Anyway, Wonder Woman 84. So despite my feelings about Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 84 I was excited about because the posters looked pretty cool and stuff in the 80s mm. it's wrote by this point it's been done a billion times by this point but there's natural character that's going to come in like captain marvel wasn't an amazing movie at all but there's a bit of character from having it set in that era yeah so i was actually i was excited for this before the trailer came out like i was actually really eager of like this is going to be the one we're finding because i'm de- honestly i'm desperate i'm tired of going to see dc films like shazam and wonder woman and just not feeling what everyone else seems to be feeling i want to be on this train so badly and i was like okay wonder woman 1984 is going to be the one it's directed by patty jenkins again which was the only thing for me that made me a little bit okay i didn't like her previous try but i have no idea how you felt about this how did you feel about the trailer yeah i i really enjoyed it so (laughs) the teaser trailer came out a day or two before yeah. And I think you had you wrote a post where you were like, if this new trailer drops, I don't want to see any slow-mo bullets and Wonder Woman sliding upskirt shots. <laughs> and I just tweeted back to you. I was like, well, both are in the teaser. <laughs> I honestly hadn't seen the teaser when I tweeted that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of funny. But yeah, I I enjoyed Wonder Woman. I don't know if I watched it again recently, not too long ago, and don't know if I enjoy the ending so much, but I, I really liked the first half of that film. Yeah, and I I liked this trailer. I thought there was just some, I you know, in some ways it's more of the same, but I definitely think the timeline, like you were saying, Al, adds a, a, is its own sort of character, even though it's sort of being done to death at the moment. But yeah, there were some cool things in the trailer that I that, that got me pretty pumped for it although i'm baffled at how chris pine's character is as old as he is in this in this time because i did the math he should be 103 well i mean and i'm sure people who are listening and shouting because i'm sure people have already written like oh in the comic book nathan fillion's character is this and this does this and this is what's gonna like i'm sure people know when we're not really into our dc wonder woman lore so it might surprise you, Alex. I really did not like this trailer, of course, because I'm just a grumpy old man who hates Doesn't everything. Doesn't surprise me. I yeah, I just because I just rewatched all of these just before we started this, so I could write down a couple of notes. 
I see there's nothing in this that I haven't seen a million times before in comic book movies. People getting excited about CGI fucking cars flipping. I just don't understand. It's just like it's been going on. Are they? Yeah, people get excited. I mean, again, and I'm not saying this because I hate talking about people when they can't about, but even Craig could put a thing about like, like we've got this, we've got this, we get like cars flipping. It's like, I'm so like, that's been on for decades. I've seen that imagery so many times. It's just the most like, oh fuck, what do we do in this action sequence? I know CGI van flipping. I'm just so fucking tired of it. <laughs> um, I'm tired yeah. of the fucking eighties. Like I thought that was going to be a cool thing in this. And instead I was just like, this is, oh, when they show that mole and it's just like, oh, okay, are we in stranger things season yeah. three? It's just like, what? Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. just tired of it. And then the gags with it are just like, come on. I'm tired of Chris Pine, to be honest. And I don't see him very often. But I just don't need to have him in this. I like Chris Pine in many things, but I don't need him back at all. I'm sure they have a good reason for it, but I don't care. I like that she had lost something. Nathan Fillion, I love, but I've heard some people are pissed about what they've done to that character. I don't know the character, so I can't be pissed at that. You, uh, but you love the slow-mo bullet, right? I fucking hate the slow-mo bullet. We actually get two shots of like upskirts in this, which I like an upskirt as much as anybody, but I'm just so tired of all the imagery being the same. Uh, the slow motion stuff. I mean, at least they're not... She's watching it and deflecting it, which is slightly different from watching it go by her, which is what most DC films tend to do, is the character just watches something, a, a, a volatile projectile, slowly go by them as they watch it. But I know I'm tired of everything. What about her riding, riding the light lightning? Well, this is it. I have, I have three things I like about this, and I do really like them. Gal Gadot is, you know, I, I always enjoy it. Like she's fantastic. I think she seems like a wonderful person as well, and she just happens to be maybe the most beautiful woman in the world, which is <laughs> honestly distracting. I mean, I think Katie watched the, the trailer. It's just like it's just distracting. <laughs> like it's just really like it's hard to watch the film <laughs> because she's too beautiful and again it is like that's an that's a big problem i just have with these wonder woman films as a problem i have with the first one is like the amount of women who got behind it is like every you know wearing t-shirts like i can be wonder woman it's like no they're literally telling you you can't it's the world's most attractive model playing a character <laughs> that they actually tell you is sculpted from zeus's clay they're telling you you can't be wonder woman so to be honest <laughs> if you want female empowerment black widow is the way to go because she doesn't even have superpowers she's just trained you know so like that's an ordinary woman albeit attractive but not as attractive as gal gadot who's just trained this is someone un absolutely unattainable in every way but she looks great the suit design looks cool suit and yes those awesome. last few seconds of her swinging through the clouds on her lasso whip that is cool do you know why because i haven't seen that before <laughs> yeah like that's that's an, an an actual idea and maybe the film will have more ideas and i hope so and that'll be great the last time i saw something interesting in a comic book movie in the clouds was actually ang lee's hulk which was a phenomenal bit of imagery at the end of a very muddled film but where they're <laughs> fighting in the clouds and every time the lightning strikes you can see their silhouette inside the clouds and it's right beautiful. yeah like really cool when i'm talking about, but like and this wasn't as cool as that to be clear <laughs> like that's cooler <laughs> and that's ang lee's fucking hulk <laughs> from <laughs> however long ago that was um i don't know man and this just it showed too much like i'm gonna go and see it because i'm hoping for the best i would be more excited if there was a different director but i feel i know what i'm getting i'm surprised they revealed the uh, and again like you i'm not a i don't know much too much about wonder woman i saw i don't know the proper name but the gold suit i'm surprised they revealed that in the trailer yeah, they showed a lot. 
A lot, a lot. Why can't these teasers actually be teasers? Yeah. For, for me, this is too Chris, much that they show. Chris way too Pied much. with his fanny pack and... <laughs> he's in, like, he's in the yeah. whole trailer. It's not even like a final moment where he steps out of the shadows. He's in the whole trailer. I'm, I'm still on board. I'm in. I'll resurrect Nate from the dead. Go watch it with him. <laughs> it's too late. I killed him. <laughs> Uh, a trailer for me. Okay. Well, actually, no. Let's take a break from the controversial ones. Uh, Free Guy. This came out of fucking nowhere. Um, <laughs> we've got Ryan Reynolds <laughs> playing an NPC character that, that decides he's had enough and is going to start interacting with the world, basically. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, this, is, this is a very insane film. I sent you a thing saying, have you seen this trailer yet? Uh, I think you were more into it than, than I was. I love the idea of it. But I do not like this trailer, to be clear. But I, and I love Ryan Reynolds. Oh, you do. I, the, my my favorite thing about this trailer was the beginning, where it shows you like from the studio that brought you Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, and Lion <laughs> King, and then says twice. Afterwards. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love yeah. this trailer. I do wonder how they're going to make a whole film out of this idea. But why not? Why? I mean, I'll watch not? it because it's Ryan Reynolds and it's a crazy idea. It had a crazy fucking cameo from Taika Waititi in here as well, which was like, what is happening? <laughs> but Alex, I feel I feel people will know if they'll like this movie or not simply from the director, which is Sean Levy. Because I did not, yeah, again, I didn't like this trailer. I just loved the idea of it. And then mm-hmm. I realized why. It's because this director is the guy who did the internship, date night, night at the museum one and two, real steel, right. just married, the Pink Panther <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know where this is heading. All those gems. (laughs) I can tell where this is going. For shows enough or too much or not enough, I wrote down shows whatever. (laughs) Shows whatever. Because I feel like we've probably seen all the best bits in this trailer. (laughs) That's probably true. That's probably because I just don't know how the like I like the idea, I liked this trailer, but I just can't see how they're gonna fill this out into a feature without it just the novelty of it wearing off really really quickly i mean quickly. they could barely fill it into a trailer <laughs> yeah. i don't get why it's called free guy as well it's such a bad title like it should have a play on like is that a play on a video game terminology it's not one i know of no. i feel like there should be like an npc terminology play on words or something going on like it's, it's strange. and the thing is he's an npc but then he picks up he kills a player and picks up their glasses yeah. and then sees the world as the- As g- if he's them. But as if th- through the- le- like how the gamer would be seeing it. Yeah. I'm sure it'll all make sense when we watch that. <laughs> there is a cool bit where he, where he breaks the arm of a- uh, like a Red Dead style cowboy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he breaks it. He's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if it could be a, a, a Wreck-It Ralph- and they actually had the licenses to other video games or something, then it could be mm. fun. James Bond's back, and apparently you've only seen one of the Daniel Craig ones, which shocked me when yep. you told me that just before we started this podcast. How is that? Casino I mean, I, Royale. I don't care about Bond at all, but I still go watch the Bond films. They're just, you know, event movies. Yeah. yeah. They're all the yeah. same, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've seen Skyfall. That's like the one that everyone loves. Well, this is apparently, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've just never like, I don't go out of my way to see them. 
Okay. Put it that way. I mean, you don't have to go that far. They're on fucking Netflix. I mean, how how tiring is your life? <laughs> you just turn the TV on, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, James Bond is back. Daniel Craig's been saying many times that he doesn't want to return to Bond. This really does seem like this is definitely his last one. It's called No Time to Die. So ironically, he's out. <laughs> I mean, again, this is the first teaser for this. Shows way too fucking much. This trailer just keeps going on and on and on. It does a good Long job of not trailer. joining the dots for you. But it shows a lot of stuff. A yeah. lot of stuff. And I've listened to hour-long podcasts just talking about this trailer just of people who love Bond and are Yikes. dissecting it. There's a podcast they listen to. There's a podcast they listen to where ev- all they do are all of the Bond and all of the Godzilla movies. And every week they just alternate through the timeline. Because <laughs> they're both like very long series. So they're just going through all of both of them. So yeah, they were dissecting this trailer. And yeah, apparently I think if you're into Bond, there's a lot to look at here. For me personally, again, I don't really care. What I'm excited about is this is directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, who did Beats of No Nation, True Detective Season 1, uh, and Jane Eyre. And he's a wonderful director. So I'm very intrigued what he can do with it. Yeah, I think it could be cool. The trailer, again, like not being a big Bond person, I thought this trailer looked pretty fucking cool. Maybe I'll go see it. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you should at least see one other before you see this, because this is calling back to the other ones. This is very much like everyone in here is in the previous ones from Daniel Craig's era. Um, I'm sure I'll join the dots, Al. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I told you, but like last year, me and Katie, when we were away riding, we decided to watch all of Daniel Craig's Bonds in a row. Uh, So every night we watch a different Daniel Craig Bond. And it's because Mission Impossible Fallout was coming out. So then after that, we went straight into all the Mission Impossible films watch Fallout then at cinema, and then we started the Bourne films. Because we're like, let's just judge all of these against each other. Uh, like, the three action heroes. And it was really yeah. interesting, because, like, the Mission Impossible films I enjoyed more, but they kind of felt like the scope is so much smaller in a weird way. Like, the Bond films are so operatic and so large-scale, and the budget's insane. Like, there are scenes that are exactly the same from Mission Impossible to Bond, like opera scenes and stuff like that. And in Mission Impossible, it's like a room... And in, in James Bond, it's literally a fucking amphitheater in Rome. You know, it's like just <laughs> yeah. insane. So, it was, yeah, it was intriguing. And then Jason Bourne's just you know, a war movie, basically. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm sort of looking forward to that. All right, last couple of trailers then. We've got The Grudge. This is the R-rated version of the trailer, which is shows actually less of the story, just more of the spooks. I'm listening Lynn to Now Shea. Playing at the moment. Yeah, Lynn Shea. I listen to now playing podcasts who are doing all the grudge films at the moment. So I'm very up to date on the old Japanese ones. It's refreshed my brain. And this is the first time in a long time that they come back and they're setting it fully in America this time. This is really, I think, what the original grudge, you remember the Sarah Michelle Geller, the grudge remake, American remake. Yeah. This is more how I think people thought that one would be. But for the original, so like, okay, so the original grudge was on TV in Japan. And there were two of them, and they were directed by the same man. Then they went to cinema, and he directed both of them again. Then he went to America, and he directed the first two of the remakes. He's directed six Grudge films <laughs> until Grudge 3, which eventually went straight to DVD. Um, That's a lot so of I feel this is the f- Yeah, but he would always obviously tackle them in roughly the same way. So I think this is an, an interesting one where we can get a different flavor. And John Cho, who I love. I like this trailer. It looks pretty cool. We haven't covered the grudge yet, have we? No, but I think we will. Like we we're going to do the ring because I like the ring more than the grudge. 
but there's a lot more ring films <laughs> than grudge films yeah i mean there's enough grudge films there are yeah there's like nine or ten grudge films damn but ring ring films is like 16 so damn it's been a while since an american grudge film did you like this trailer though at all i actually preferred the first trailer than the oh, red okay. band the story one yeah it kind of reminded me of what they tried to drop with it chapter two and the trailer where jessica chastain goes into the old lady's house and there's that kind of interaction yeah Although I, I guess that with definitely this, definitely was a conversation someone had for sure. Yeah, like it plays that that same kind of moment. Although with this, it's like they're not overselling the kind of uh, the the creepiness of the old woman. It's like it's immediate, and it's like you know. Do you know what I mean? They're not like I find this actually more creepy because <laughs> they don't rely on naked old people. <laughs> yeah, that like that's what I mean. Like they're they're not they're not overplaying it and like trying yeah. to like stretch out the tension for as long as possible. And I just fucking love Lynn Shay. I think she's great. <laughs> she's perfect for like roles like that. Yeah, she is. Yeah, it took me a few seconds ago. Wait, is that is she? <laughs> All right, fair enough. I felt the R-rated one that at least didn't show. I mean, it did show too much in a way because there's a lot of violence it shows, but it definitely doesn't let you know what's going to happen in the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I had no clue about the story at mm-hmm. all. It's just some cool imagery. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know much about the Grudge films and law so it's actually something i'm excited to get into i think i know i just wish there weren't so many and i wish we weren't comprehensive in our podcast alex because otherwise <laughs> i'll be like let's just do the american remakes and we'll just do them or do like you know the first one of each you know one like the first japanese yeah, yeah. one the first american remake and now this one but no we are slaves to being comprehensive oh yes we are Mm-mm-mm. Although we were talking, actually, weren't we? Well, I think we are going to do next year. We go because we're always looking for ways slightly out of the horror podcast to give us a little bit of a break. And we always bring mm-hmm. up director ones that people want to do, but then we don't get the public telling us they want our director ones, <laughs> so we never really have the excuse. But I think we do have an excuse, Alex. Next year, I can. I'm pretty sure I can confirm right now we're going to do the Ghostbusters retrospective. All right. To lead into Ghostbusters Afterlife, the, the next and the last proper trailer we have to talk about. Yeah. Uh, because it is technically horror. It's just horror for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel I'll allow it. This is another one of those trailers, and I would say more than any of the other trailers this week, that had a whole bunch of opinions, shall we say. Yeah. For many reasons. Tied to the baggage of the 2016 version that was all female, directed by what's his face, who did Bridesmaids. What is his face? Paul Feig. Uh, Paul Feig. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and I had to do a thing today. So yeah, I did this tweet today. I'm just going to read it out loud because that's uh, how self grandizing I am. I'll just read my own tweets out <laughs> on my podcast. <laughs> I said this thing somewhere. Can I just do a blanket statement now that affirms if I hate a movie, it's because I didn't enjoy that movie. If other people hate that movie for sexist, racist, or religious dis- uh, religious discrimination reasons, please don't lump me in with them. I'm allowed to have serious problems with 2016's Ghostbusters, The Last Jedi, Ocean's 8, Wonder Woman, Terminator Dark Fate, and so on, without it having to have anything to do with the ridiculous reasons other ridiculous people have. Um, and I really mean it. 
because it drives me crazy. Because yes, it, at the time of Wonder Woman, I wasn't allowed to say I didn't like it because it's like, oh, you don't like females in movies, yeah. you know. And at the time of Ghostbusters twenty eight to twenty sixteen, was not to my tastes at all. It wasn't what mm. I wanted from a Ghostbusters movie, and I just didn't like that type of humor. I tried, I did not enjoy it at all. But apparently, it's just because I can't support an all female cast Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. <sighs> And then the same sort of happened with Terminator Dark Fate as well, because there were three females, and apparently people forgot that all the Terminator, all the Terminator movies have had like female leads, and well, other than part three. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I uh, fuck it. You talk first, man. <laughs> Tell me about your Ghostbuster yeah, no. problems and what you feel about this. So, so yeah, I mean, just to kind of continue off what you've said, it's this the release of this trailer has sparked that conversation again, which has just become so toxic and stupid and. You know, I hate scrolling through these tweets on Twitter about people's just opinions on who's in a film or not rather than being able to step back and, you know, give actual valid criticism of a film and have people, you know, you can disagree, but it doesn't have to become this sort of toxic thing of... Yeah, where you can then throw it back at someone and be like, you only think that way because you hate women or because of this and that and vice versa. And it's just like, it's it's very frustrating. So, I've been trying to avoid all of that stuff, which inevitably, you know, is the internet. So, yeah, just to kind of rewind and to talk about 2016, it wasn't to my taste either. I was disappointed by it. You know, I really enjoyed Bridesmaids. I think all those... Uh, the leads in that film are amazing comic actors and I love a lot of their work. But the dynamic didn't work for me in that film and for the reasons why I love Ghostbusters. My big issues with it were that it was just comically much more broad and all the characters were in on the joke. You know, if you watch the first two Ghostbusters, they're they're all professors they're they're intelligent the humor comes out of the absurdity of the situation and and often how they deal with it without a kind of a wink and a nod to the camera which i felt there was a lot of in 2016 it was just like we're kind of do you know what i mean which i found no, really I, know, I actually found it i don't know yeah i don't know if we have the time here because like i think we could get into it and and we'll do it next year we when we actually cover that film but yeah, I actually found 2016's film insulting to women because I was like, they're, they're yeah. not written intelligently. You know, I don't yeah. feel like these are scientists, you know, and yeah. and you can be intelligent and funny. You don't have to mm-hmm. just be stupid to be funny. But I, I completely get there is, you know, pe- some people, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all. Some people enjoy just uh, broad sort of more physical humor comedy and that's totally fine. But for me, yeah. it wasn't what I wanted out of my Ghostbusters movie. Men or women or children or whoever's in it. Didn't yeah. matter. It's- so, leading into this one, I will say, as much as I love Jason Reitman as a director, I was a little nervous of him taking this film because it just felt like, oh, your dad directed the first two. Like, let's give it to him. Like, because he's going to have inside knowledge of like what his dad did. There's a connection there. And it just felt very, yeah, for me, it, it just felt like a big risk, um, even though, you know, I love a lot of his work. It just felt too sort of. Yeah, it felt like a risk, so I was a bit apprehensive. So when this trailer dropped, I, 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 as a big Ghostbusters fan, I was excited for it, but I didn't sort of have too many expectations. And I have to say, I was really 
really fucking surprised in such a positive way. I loved that we're not getting the New York setting off the bat. I loved the the Easter eggs in this as to like as it kind of unravels. You're like, oh wait a minute, I think these are Egon's grandkids, and like you're seeing like his Ghostbusters suit and then finding his equipment and the cool like little wall Tetrisy puzzle she does when she finds the ghost trap. I really fucking loved that. So I loved, I uh, yeah, I, I really thought the trailer was cool and, and very clever in that we all know the original cast are coming back with the exception of Harold Ramis. So I thought it was great that we didn't see any of them. It hinted to that. I loved the bit with Paul Rudd. Oh, and the kids like uh, McKenna Grace, who I think is awesome, and Finn Wolfhard. But I loved the bit where Paul Rudd was like, "Oh, you got a replica of a ghost trap," and they're like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Don't you know? Like in the '80s, it was huge." And we see a news clip of the Ghostbusters, and like that's our only kind of clip of them. And then we get the car, the the car going through the field, and the classic Ghostbusters horn. It's just like there was enough sort of fan service and nods in there. That got me really excited, but also the kind of new ideas that they brought in in this young cast. Yeah, it's it's got me really, really excited for this film, way more than I had anticipated, just because it's it's taken such a different, unexpected angle as far as what they're teasing. And it feels like a genuine teaser trailer because it's like there's just so much, there's enough in there that connects me to the, the originals, but I still have no idea like how it's going to play out. And I, and I love that. I fucking thought it was awesome. And they didn't even in bring the- in the Ghostbusters theme, which is like, which is again cool. Like, I'm glad that they really like. There's a, I can tell it right in the background. There's a little bit of the. Yeah, there's like a little hit. And it's just- like, no, yeah, they never go into like da, 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 or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not goofy like that. Yeah, and like, there's a bit where I think when they when the car comes around a corner and you see like a green flash and I was like, is that Slimer that they're chasing? So there was just like, a, there was enough of like these, these Easter eggs that I was like, fuck, I just really, really want to see this. And, and, and I really liked that they, it felt like a, a teaser, like a teaser that you want where you, you don't see a bunch of like too much stuff, which seems to be every teaser these days. Dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're on the same page. This, I've watched this trailer three times now. It genuinely, I get bristles each time I watch this. Like I went into this when I when it, I saw it was up. I was like, okay, here we go. I'm a grumpy person who just seems to not get excited by anything anymore. I genuinely don't know what to expect from this, other than we're going to see all four of these guys. Oh, sorry, we're going to see like yeah, majority of these people again uh, pop up, and the theme tune is going to come in at some point. No. Like this is it was a so much prettier than I thought, and I completely forgot it's from yeah the guy who directed Up in the Air, like films that I <laughs> yeah. love, like I love Up in the Air. Yeah, and it, the the film language of it is just gorgeous. It's like this is beautiful. Does it give off a Stranger Things vibe? Of course it does. Like everything with kids now, of course. And like I get the people who are upset about that. Fine for me, it's not a problem. It's much more on the spooks than the laughs. There weren't any mm-hmm. jokes, and you can fucking pull Rudd there, and there are no jokes. Like I presume there yeah. are in the film, but at this point there aren't. The, the the way it built was like yeah okay i'm actually i'm understanding what the story is going to be but this is all i need to see like i am so yeah. in by the end of this like i don't need to see another frame just give me the movie like this is it the perfect amount to show and i fucking like the bristles that i get are with the repurposed like old dialogue like that like when you get yeah, them, like yeah. and things are happening and the music is building and then you get that call it fate 
Call yeah. it luck. And like, yeah. And I always, I always forget the intonation he gave to those lines. It's so good. Like, so good. And it yeah. just like, oh, and I don't know if you didn't grow up with Ghostbusters, if you're going to get that moment or not. But for me, yep. it completely just like, oh, that was just like, it was so fucking great. The effects looked great, like with the blasters. Yeah, you get like the green thing where it's like, is that going to be slime or something else? And then there's a moment on the car with the growl and the foot comes down that it's like, is yeah. that Goza? It's yeah. like, it's fucking like, <sighs> yes. Is it again, if people are upset about this because they wanted a sequel to Ghostbusters 2016, I get that. I'm sorry you're not getting what you wanted. If people are upset about this because it, they think it's playing into the trend right now of Stranger Things things, I get that as well. 100%. There's a conceit there of like, that's one of the reasons it's this movie that we're getting now and not something else. I'm fine with both of those things. I don't think you can be upset with it for anything else. Like the quality of what they're doing here looks quite evident to me at this point. Mm -hmm. And I hope they follow through with that. I hope this can be a really one of those films that bridges children can watch it, adults can watch it, you know, and it can be what Ghostbusters was. And yeah, I hope there will be some laughs in there for sure when we when it actually comes out. But it does look like they're trying to show, no, this is also going to be a little bit spooky. Um, yeah. And I remember being a kid and that fucking library ghost in the first scene of Ghost was like, oh, Fuck yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> so I'm really excited. Oh, that that really opening. Excited. Now I'm thinking, I can't wait to do the Ghostbusters retrospective. But yeah, that opening is so good. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to do it. The library. Four films and a couple of games we can try. Be good fun. Mm -hmm. Be good fun. All right. Glad we're on the same page with that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of the internet aren't. <laughs> All right, then last thing we want to talk about quickly then for the trailers is Alex VR Half-Life. Couldn't fucking believe it. I wake up one morning and Valve have announced a new Half-Life game is all I see on all of my feeds and it's coming out in March. Set between Half-Life 1 and 2, not Half-Life 3, centered around Alex. It, it, and, and yeah, it's in VR. So it was kind of this weird middle finger almost and i've talked to quite a lot of people that why are they doing it like this but also very excited at the same time and then people who are just like well the first thing we're going to do is mod this so you don't have to play it in vr and you can just play it like a first person game uh which will definitely be happening i feel they're doing this to diffuse attention i feel they still want to make a half-life 3 and the worst thing you can do now like after as long as it's been it's 13 years whatever you can't put out a half-life 3 like there's no way it's going to be good enough it can't be, no matter what it is. Right. So I actually think it's kind of smart to go, let's diffuse it. Let's give them a character they love, paint a bit of backstory for that character because they're letting you know more about Alex. So then they have the option to do a Half-Life 3 and we're going to be brought up to date on those characters, care about them, but be diffused. So the Half-Life 3 wouldn't be the first game after all that time, you know? So I think this is really smart. Yeah, I mean, I have not played any of the Half-Life games kind of came in that sort of period when I wasn't gaming much. So, I don't know anything about this. I watched the trailer. My my feeling was, was it was definitely one of the prettiest VR things I've ever seen. It looked yeah, really it looks cool. Gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know anything about the characters. I assume that man that comes out at the end is important. <laughs> oh, he's a, yeah, he's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a big deal because so, yeah. they'd always show his face to show what they can do now with graphics. Like that was always the thing right like a tech demo almost yeah so for me i was just like wow this is my my feeling was that it just looked really impressive for a vr game well i'm crazy but yeah excited have you Alex. have you played any vr shooters like that i have 
I have. I mean, I dropped off a VR, but we did a comprehensive review, didn't we, when the PSVR came out? And we covered mm. every single game that came out of launch, like 35 games or whatever. And I've played a bunch since then. The thing, yeah, the thing that confuses me with this is like, uh, I played Resident Evil 7 in VR for some of it, or replayed some of it in VR. And that gave you the option to warp from place to place, which is how a lot of first-person ones do it. And I hate it because you just point and then right. you warp to there. But it does stop you from feeling nauseous, but I hate it. And then I, it gives you the option in, in Resident Evil 7 to just play it like you would a normal game, but you're in mm. it. And it is confusing and it does make you feel weird. And depending on your nausea right. settings, it can really fuck you up. I was okay for a little bit. But yeah, I don't know how you do it. I mean, Valve are an incredibly smart company. I'm hoping they figured something out, but I don't know what they could have. Because just also watching the trailer, the the movements and the way it was like the hands were moving stuff and picking up things and shooting and looking around corners, I was like, wow, that's really, really fluid. And I was like, yeah. but would a person be able to play that fluidly? Like if you just picked I it up. Like, I don't yeah. know. I'm very intrigued. Uh, and I, but again, like, it's a shame because I'm not a PC person, but the mm -hmm. mod of this is what I'll probably want to play more because I don't really like being in VR, so I just want to play this as a game. But they yeah. obviously didn't want to do that because then it becomes a new Half-Life normal game. Um, but it is a full-length game, just so people know. And yeah, fucking Mar good name. March. It's got a good name. <laughs> Alex is an all right name. <laughs> okay, so very, very quickly, I think I can tell what your answer will be. But Wonder Woman, Ghostbusters, Free Guy, Black Widow, Bond, No Time to Die, The Grudge, Half-Life, Alex. If you could have one of those things right now, which one would it be? Uh, Bond. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> no. Ghostbusters, hands down, yeah. by a mile. Same for me. Absolutely Ghostbusters. Other tiny little bits of news that came out. Godzilla vs. Kong has been delayed by eight months. It was originally scheduled for summer, early summer 2020. Then it got bumped up to March 2020. And now it's been pushed back to November 2020 because they want to basically get everything. I believe the quote was A+. plus. Because, yeah, they're concerned probably because Godzilla King of the Monsters didn't perform as well as they wanted it to. Yeah, not surprised. There's been some internal rumblings about stuff going on there. I'm not personally a big Adam Wingard fan of his work. And I wasn't a big fan of King of the Monsters either. Like it was, it was fine for what it was, but it wasn't what I wanted. So I'm fine with them. But you liked Kong, Kong Skull, Skull Island. I though, really right? like Kong Skull Island. I really did. Like that for me was just like midnight blockbuster dumb. It was like the the most expensive B movie of all time, and I can enjoy that. But you don't think Godzilla felt like the uh, King of Monsters felt like that too? No, I don't think it was executed as well. I really don't. And we're, we're, I'm going to actually do a. Uh, Godzilla cast which we were going to time in with the Blu-ray release and then we thought we'd tie it in with this but now I don't know when we're going to do it I'm doing like a three-part cast where we're going through all of the Godzilla eras so I'll talk about it in depth there my feelings on it but you no crazy I man problems with King of the Monsters well I watched all of them I watched all 36 Godzilla films or whatever like I needed to talk about it somewhere <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's three like eras so it's like okay we'll do three podcasts justin law is going to be on it and we're trying to get someone somebody else who's seen all 36 films which is rare <laughs> uh, and our last bit of news which does tie into our regular show alex we will be returning with shannon to the conjuring universe next year we have a date now yes september 2020 the conjuring and we have a title the Devil Made Me Do It, a very on-the-nose title, considering the synopsis is to do with, yeah, a case that the Warrens had to do someone who claimed the devil made them do it, basically. Mm -hmm. 
And you're thinking that means no more werewolf, which they said was going to be the Conjuring 3. So the rumor was, yeah, that it, the the ghost ghosty werewolf that we saw in Annabelle Comes Home could play a part in the next film. Those were the rumors circulating around. And I think at the time, you, Shannon, and myself all agreed that we didn't necessarily want to see the werewolf story. Um, Do not. I think we were all big fans of the ferryman as a potential spin-off character. But I was reading so when this title came out and I was and the the like little log line to it was that, you know, this is deals with the first trial where a defendant claimed possession as as their defense. So I was like, oh cool, this this is definitely not the werewolf story. But then I was reading some quotes from Patrick Wilson, who kind of hinted at it being the werewolf story. I'll see if I can find it yep. quickly. No, uh, Patrick I remember Wilson. Really thought it was, I, I do think we're still going to see some canines in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. He said this was uh, last month where he was asked about what it's like. And he said the process of making Conjuring 3 was fantastic. And it's a much different feel. It's still the same bones. It's still very much Ed and Lorraine. Again, we are pushing our characters to places they haven't gone. But the film will be a really nice addition because it's definitely a different beast. Pun intended. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are you done, Patrick? What are you done? <laughs> um, I know some people were also like, oh, we're excited about this film. And I heard some people on the podcast go, oh, but actually we're not because it's from the director of Curse of La Llorona. I know that's the reason I am excited about it. Michael Chaves. <laughs> <laughs> the old Chavester is at the helm. <laughs> and he's, uh, yeah, I had, you know, we all, I think we all had problems with the Curse of La Llorona. Not quite as many as the, most of the public did. But I definitely mm. really liked his directing I style. I liked it. I liked his flavor a lot. Yeah. So I'd like to see him, if he's working on a better script with more money and, you know, I think he could do something cool. I hope so. This will be the movie where he can prove himself. Uh, but yeah, that's September yeah. 2020. So we'll be back for that. But they gave him the fucking werewolf, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's also like, oh, is that going to work? Okay. So we're going to get out of here. But before we do, I've got two last bits of business. One at the very end, I'm going to actually explain what kind of podcast we've got coming up. But before we get to that, Pornhub just released their stats <laughs> oh, for the right. year <laughs> i saw this <laughs> uh, sadly what they haven't done yet which we sometimes like doing this podcast and we'll definitely do because that gets released in january is america state by state yeah as uh, so you get to see what them old states have been googling but they have released all the other stats and we could go through them all, but there's like way too much. The one that I like is the searches that defined 2019, which to be clear, isn't the most searched for terms of 2019. That's a little different. But it are the ones like, because it, it's a broad terminology. It's like something within this search. You know, these are the ones that really made the year. And I'm going to read them out from 10 to 1, Alex. Okay. So number 10. 10. We've got some femdom. Femdom. Speaks for Female itself. Female domination. There it is. People love it. <laughs> Number nine. Nine. ASMR. Ooh. Do you know what this is? Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. Alex is clearly one of the people keeping this at number nine in the searches to find 2019. <laughs> I had to look it up. I didn't know what it was. And now mm. I'm intrigued. Uh. 
Uh, do you want to know what number eight is, Alex? Eight. It's Apex Legends. <laughs> Apex Legends porn. For yeah. real. Oh, yeah. All right. It's, uh, yeah, I believe it's been out um, Overwatch. Uh, Overwatch is the one that everybody loves. There's lots, so there's wait, lots do, of Overwatch porn. I, I, do people dress just, it's like a cosplay thing and then people have sex? Well, that's is what it? I mean. I believe this is for all, anything to do with that. So you can have people dressing up, but then there's a lot of animations, you know, like CGI. Ah, like, oh, right. Like, okay. Like anime. Overwatch really lent itself to that because they have Pixar level quality short films about each of the characters. So then right. people could like use those and create models from them and and yeah, make them do terrible things. <laughs> I haven't seen any Apex Legends ones though. Now I'm gonna go check them out. Uh number seven, bisexual. Seven. Bisexual. Yeah. Number six. Six. <laughs> Mature. Mature. Woo! 85 Just, you know they sit down they do their taxes <laughs> yeah yeah it's basically marriage story that's what mm, number six yeah. is number five feeding into what you were saying earlier five cosplay <laughs> cosplay who doesn't like a little bit of cosplay eh? yeah there we go uh number four is actually a person Belle delphine oh! <laughs> okay well, I don't really know. I was reading up about her, and I still don't think I understand who she is. Does she have lot. some kind of special... This, is there something she's known for? Well, okay, shall I give you the description they give here on Pornhub's official page for this? Belle Delphine came in at the number four search that defined 2019. Stunts with bathwater aside, which is lost on me. Uh, Belle <laughs> Delphine trolled her beloved followers when she dedicated a Pornhub page to spoof not safe for work videos that she uploaded in October of this year. Okay. Uh, I don't understand. Number three. We're in the top three. This is where it gets exciting. Three. Can you guess the top three? And again, these aren't the actual searches because just to be clear, in America at least, the top search of the year was lesbian. Uh, in Japan, hilariously, the top search of the year was Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but can you guess what the, anything just one just even guess one of the things that are the, the top searches that define 2019 in the top three three I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the gaming theme I'm gonna go Fortnite ooh okay do you want to give another one just say three things and then I hope one of them's here Fortnite interracial it's okay. pretty brave of you I know the internet. Tits? <laughs> tits. I don't know. <laughs> Fortnite interracial tit. You just gradually, that was a downward slide of creativity that happened there, Alex. <laughs> no, none of those are in the top three. None of them. And number three, we have POV because, of course, VR was a big thing ah. as well as just POV being right. a thing. Number two. Two. I'm going to leave number two. Number one, one. we're going to come back to number one, is just amateur okay amateur hour sure makes sense yeah i know it's one of my favorite categories for sure sure number two is a category that i have heard of and i've had people explain it to me i am not familiar with personally and it is alien <laughs> alien yeah like and in the searches they can tell with gender females are really into alien like um extraterrestrial All types yeah, as an extraterrestrial. Sorry, did I say interracial before? I meant interspecies. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it Intergalactic. is. Intergalactic. 
Apparently, so an explanation here. I didn't know about this. Did you know about this? It was part of the epic lead up to the storming of Area 51 that affected the population and urged them to seek a more immediate release. I had no idea there was a storming of Area 51 this year. Oh, no. So I, I did know about the storm or, or the, the movement to try and storm Area 51. So wait, that was connected with... There was a massive the upsurge then of people like really getting into alien porn. And I do know I have like seen like videos and stuff of there are these like weird alien eggs that's like combined with oh, vibrators or something like, that girls put inside them. Yeah. Something or like men. that. Or men. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. Or, or, you know, deer, whoever's in sure. And, and then has yeah. access to the internet. So there you go. They're the top searches. When we get to January, we'll definitely be a. Uh, looking at the state state by state because that's a fun one i enjoy that and i guess another alien thing that could be common is like abduction and then getting probed oh yeah <laughs> a little abdub probe yeah because that's what aliens do right they, that is i mean everyone they, that's had yeah. an alien abduction has recounted how they were probed i know and then we have to make it sexual like it's for <laughs> science guys yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's for science <laughs> yeah <laughs> We are right now, Alex, on the cusp of Christmas and New Year, which is fucking terrifying. We're about to be in 2020, the end of a decade. Oh, my God. End of a decade. Isn't that crazy? So, if you're listening to this, then you can go and listen to the current horror show. That's what we normally do on Fridays. I didn't really say this at the top of the podcast, but go to weirdgeeks.com and patch out stuff. Or much nicer, just go to iTunes, go to your podcast app thing and type in weird geeks subscribe to us rate us because we do all this for free and yeah the horror show is our main thing that happens every single friday um and right now we're going through all of the 80s slasher films that we haven't already covered that are important or i deem are worthy and i'm doing that with shannon and katie shannon yeah this week we are we had a delay for a couple of weeks but this week it's going we did like one a few weeks ago with shannon what's the three sort of seminal classic uh characters a bit of jason a bit of michael myers and a bit of freddy and then this week we're kicking it off with terror train next week we're getting into the burning also as you listen to this the burning will be the next one that goes up take a listen to them but we have lots of other stuff coming because it's the end of year and that's when things get exciting ah! thank you so and we're going to do it a bit differently because I'm not going to be in the country. Normally, we all get around the old Weird Geeks table, get some drinks in, argue, and yeah, and kill someone each other. dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we have weird Somebody's ways of doing Somebody's sacrificed. It. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, we're going to have, as normal, but we're just going to have to format it slightly differently, our top movies of 2019 podcast. That's going to be coming along with the top games of 2019 podcast both of them or at least the movie one for sure is going to be coming at the beginning of january so we're actually going to record that one in january because i want to make sure we've all had time to watch the films you know up until new year's because there are new films being released we've got like 1917 is about to come out in that period and that Mm -hmm. looks like it could take everything by storm and be the film of the year so i feel we all need to be able to make sure we've seen those films so to be clear it's a sham we basically all get in, into a thing. We fight. It's a reason for us to, be able to fuck each other over. We have veto cards and just try and you know, create this crazy list that one year our top game of the year was a game that most of us hadn't played. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very weird system. We're going to try and get it a little bit better. But this is how it's going to be because we're at the end of the decade, my friend. It's going to be our four hour podcast is going to be even longer because we can allow everyone. I want everyone. We're going to fight. We're going to do our normal thing and fight. But then at the end of the show, because I think it might as well wrap it all into one, mightn't we? 
yeah. we will also read out our own personal top 10 of the decade list. Wow. Because um, I think that's a nice thing to do. Wow. Also, we have another podcast that's coming, and this one's going to come sooner, I think, because this is one we should be recording in December. And this is going to be, and Alex, I'm going to leave this up to your executive decision right now. If we yes. should have two ones for this, again, they can be short, but just two ones for this, or if we should just have one big fat one. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. of films and games that we're looking forward to in 2020. Ooh. So would you rather we have, you know, two separate things for that so people could tune into whichever one appeals to them? Because I know some people don't give a shit about games. Yeah, maybe we should do two separate ones. Okay, okay. And then we could get different crowds on who are relevant, yeah. I suppose. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. That'll be the next one like this, I think, that we that we scheduled. This has been episode 115. That'll be episode 116. Uh, we'll be either films or games, whichever one we record first. We're just going to look at a year, pick our favorite ones that we're most excited for. And then we'll see at the end of the year of 2020 when we do our argument, how many of those panned out? <laughs> yeah. How many of them didn't? I think that's about it. I don't think I'm missing anything. So plenty of content all coming for you, all free. Lap it up, throw it away, yeah. digitally just, you know, put it into logic and then remove random parts of it or just Shannon, yeah. just remove Shannon, mm. send it back to us, replace Christina's voice with heaven yep. uh, in every podcast that we've done with Christina. Mm-hmm. That's good. At, at, uh, and then Nate, you know, just light a candle for him. Light a candle, say a prayer. Yeah. Well, it's too late for that. But yeah. you can- <laughs> You can light a candle. If you do want to give us uh, money, then thank you. That's kind. You can just uh, support the stuff that we do. We have Starfish up on Hulu, uh, so you don't really have to pay for that, but you kind of do because that's the con. But we won't see the money, so thanks. Uh, If you want to support us directly, go to iTunes and you can rent it or buy it or go to Amazon and you can rent it or buy it or wait a little bit because there might be some nice news coming, but I'm not allowed to talk about that yet. Um, There are other things that you can do as well with things ghost light is my band we have a single out and i can tell you now i believe almost 100 percent we're going to finally release this album on valentine's day so that's all right and we have some cool content tied into that that's hopefully going to be coming around that time as well yeah and you know other things with stuff is there anything you want to sell oh people can go and watch rehearsal now oh yeah i'm in a uh short film which you can go and watch on at the moment oh god i forgot the link i wasn't prepared for this what's on short of the week short of the week yeah go watch it on short of the week it's called rehearsal it's directed by a lovely writer director called courtney therond yeah and it's uh it's a little short film that deals with consent on film sets and how women may not feel empowered in male dominated film sets yeah, so it's an interesting conversation starter, so I encourage people to go watch it. Yeah, it's a great, great platform for it to be on. Yeah, and actually people can also go to Dust, Gunpowder and Sky's platform to watch How to Be Human, which is our friend, uh, friend of the podcast Bruno and Louise and I executive produced that. Um, that is on the Dust platform, so you can watch that there. And that's if you want some sci-fi in your world. Um, all right. So, so much content, Al. All that content us guys do. See, look at this. Look at what I just got through uh, from the post. I've got Donkey Kong Jenga. What? Which I'm going to be playing with my mother at Christmas. Is it, just, one of her... is it just Jenga with Donkey Kong written on the blocks? No, 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 it's not. You see, you stack them in very different ways and then you actually have to get... You, there's like little holes. So you, you put a little Mario in the holes. This is a different Pornhub category. <laughs> um, 
as he works his way up the Jenga while things are getting removed by Kong, if you see what I mean. That's so cool. It's like, so you're playing against each other. One of you wants it to stay together. I haven't actually played it. I've just read the rules. But they were playing it and my mom saw it on one of her episodes of Big Bang Theory and then I went and was like, I'll find that for her for Christmas so we can play it together. Excellent. Um, and it looks really cool, actually. So I'm kind of excited for that. Let me know how it goes. I shall, my friend. I shall. Oh, and everybody who's who's listening, go. Uh, America has finally put out the Blu-ray for Millennium Actress, by the way. Um, and I fucking love this movie. It's by Satoshi Kon, who passed away many years ago. Legend in anime. One of the he's like the David Lynch of anime. Um, and he only made a, ver- a handful of films, and they're all genuinely brilliant and unlike anything that you've ever seen in anime. And Millennium Actress is my probably my favorite. I love Tokyo Godfathers as well. But people will know him for Perfect Blue and Paprika, which are actually my two least favorite. I think Millennium Actress and, and um, Tokyo Godfathers are better. It's finally out on Blu-ray and it's remastered from a 4K print. So please go watch that. It's great. Um, all right. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's Buddy, it's been it. nice catching up. Always great to catch up with you, Al, on this platform. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully see you for one of those, either the films or games that we're looking forward to in 2020. People can hear your lovely voice again. And until then. We're fucking out. Geeks. Geeks!